You want to talk about a conviction? There's a conviction. Our house, our town, Duke football. One intention. One intention. That's to kick their Kick their heads up front. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Section 17 podcast from Duke Football Talk. I am your host today, Josh Cox, and I am here with Jamie Holtz and my man Scott Medlin. And we have not recorded a podcast for a couple of months now, but man, we are excited to be back, ready for the season to start just next weekend as we go to South Bend. And man, this is an exciting time of year. Guys, what's been going on, Scott? Man, what's, what's been going on your way during these couple months? Man, I've been sitting here counting down the days. Counting down to the days to where we're actually here, where football is finally started. And Oosh. to be honest, to be honest, I was worried we weren't going to get here. Because I've said a thousand times, until we kick the football off, I'm worried. But now that we finally have a game under the schedule, it looks like we're going to have a couple more start this week. I'm feeling good about things. Just crossing my fingers that the COVID stays away. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Jamie, man, what about you? How, how have you been uh, getting through these last couple months? I mean, I've been doing good, you know. Y'all know how I just kind of stay at the beach over the summer. So, But, like, it's like Scott said, last podcast, I was, I was not really optimistic that we were going to have a football season. And now, I've got, you know, the optimism has been building and building and building. And then when we had the, I guess, the Division One AA game the other day, I, I really kind of got excited, you know, about it, thinking, you know, hey, this is going to happen. I'm glad that the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 decided to, you know, push on. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I really do feel bad for the players and fan bases uh, in the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 and then all the, of course, some of the um, non-Power 5 conferences or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, looking forward. This is going to be a great season. Hope everybody out there stayed safe through all this. But uh, we're just excited. Not only are we starting the season, uh, but the game in South Bend is going to have up to 20,000 fans um, in the stands. Saw that uh, earlier today. Looks like they're going to let their students have first choice and then faculty and staff after that. And that'll be neat for our guys uh, to be able to play at least their first game uh, with, with some fans in the stands. So, anyway, well, look, tonight we were bringing to you very uh, exciting uh, tonight. We want to go through the depth chart. Um, we want to see uh, – talk through who we think – uh, we'll be starting, who will be backing up. Uh, there's going to be a lot of familiar names we talk about uh, this evening. Uh, but then there's going to probably be some names that uh, are going to be a little bit more unfamiliar. And so we're hoping, obviously, Duke has yet to release its too deep uh, depth, depth chart. So we do not know any of this that we're saying set in stone. This is just what, as we research it um, and as we uh, read articles and message boards, and whatnot. This is what we uh, feel like we're looking at going into uh, the season here. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, a lot of changes in the coaching staff. We're actually not going to talk about that tonight, but a lot of changing in the coaching staff, some roles that have been adjusted. Um, the major one obviously is, is head coach David Cutcliffe taking over 
uh, the play calling and um, the the uh, just the the flow of the offense there. Basically, the entire offensive side of the ball, and uh, that that is huge. And that leads us into our first position that we're going to talk about tonight, and that is the position of quarterback. Um, as all of you know, David Cutcliffe has a uh, reputation that precedes him, um, and he has a, a history of uh, of quarterback uh, help from all the way back Peyton Manning days, all the way up to Daniel Jones days. And having Coach Cutcliffe uh, in charge is going to be an amazing thing. But there's been a three-way battle that has uh, started since the guys have been back on campus, and that battle has been between uh, Chris Katrinik. And uh, Katrinik has been with us uh, now for uh, a few years. He's a redshirt junior. He's been in a backup role his entire time. And then we have uh, Gunnar Holmberg. And I'm not even sure. Gunnar's listed as a redshirt sophomore. I'm not sure what Gunnar's um, – what the final call was on his season last year. But I'm assuming Gunnar qualified for that medical hardship and was going to get a sixth year. So, really, Gunnar's got four years uh, left here at Duke. And then, uh, as everyone knows, we uh, got a transfer in um, from Clemson, uh, Chase Bryce, uh, who backed up Trevor Lawrence there at Clemson. Uh, and the three-way battle there has kind of ensued. Obviously, Katrinik has the, the upper hand as far as knowledge of the system. He's been here um, and, and had some spot um, playing time. Uh, Holmberg played in one game, um, and I believe he rushed for 19 yards. Um, uh, that's his his stat. Um, but and then you have Chase Bryce, who really saw limited action um, there at Clemson. But when he did play, um, he played extremely well, including um, a really really solid game at Syracuse, where he brought them back um, and, and and led them to a win there. Um, and so I believe he's thrown five touchdowns and one interception. Um, there's a lot of excitement um, about the quarterback position um, at Duke, and rightfully so. Um, nothing to take away from last year's team, but I believe that uh, even as we were watching last year's team, we were already beginning to look forward to the quarterback position this season. And um, I'm going to give you what we feel very strongly will be the, the, uh, the order that these quarterbacks will, will be in. Um, and we kind of feel like that uh, the coaching staff just has not wanted to show their hand yet. Um, but I believe no doubt that the number one quarterback at Duke will be Chase Price. Um, he'll be a redshirt junior. Um, he's got size to him. He's 6'3", 235. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. Um, Obviously, being recruited um, as a high four-star recruit, uh, going to Clemson, um, just a just a, a really really solid talent. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, or or ladies that are listening, uh, if you don't yet, make sure you follow Chase on Twitter on so, on all social media. He's a great follow. He seems like a just a super down-to-earth young man um, that I believe is going to lead us uh, as the number one uh, quarterback. Um, Guys, anything to add to Chase Bryce? Yeah, I'm looking forward to see when, when they announce who the number one will be. 
I assumed that we're going to wait till Tuesday when the traditional press conferences for uh, the weekly press conference for cut. But looking at it, I mean, I'm with obviously with you with the same thing. I do think um, there's a chance Katrinic may get the two spot to start out with, but with everybody having the three, the free year to do whatever and play as many plays as they want, who knows how many, how many times these guys are going to play and how Cut's going to use them in the system. Who knows? We may go to the two-quarterback system to start the thing. It's really hard to tell, but, I mean, honestly, looking forward to the Chase Bryce ever since the first day they said he was going to be on campus to visit to now where we're, what, 11 days away? So I'm really excited about that. And I, I agree. Uh, I think Chase is, Chase is going to be the starter. I, I never believed the Katrinic as the starter hype that I've seen in some of the articles. I mean, like, I just, I just couldn't see it. Not, I mean, I'm sure he's a good kid. Don't get me wrong. And he may end up being the initial backup, like Scott said. But I, honestly, in my heart, I believe it's going to be Chase one, Gunner two. And I think Chase, I think we all kind of expect him to be that that bridge to whenever Gunner takes the, you know, takes the helm. Uh, I mean, if Chase has a great year, I mean, who knows? Maybe he goes pro after this year. You just don't know. He's He's got that prototype size. Like you said, he's 6'3", 235. He can run. He can throw it. So, I mean, he's all the NFL would be looking for. So, if he blows up and has a great year, I could see him only being with us one year. But fortunately, we do have him for two years in case he decides to use it final two years. So, Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. The one thing that I would say, um, I actually think that Chase Bryce is the best throwing quarterback of the three and the best running quarterback of the three, in my personal opinion. So I don't know that this system is set up for two quarterbacks with those three guys. I feel like it's going to be Chase and we're going to ride or die with him, which I'm okay with. And then I think Gunner's going to be the number two, um, just because if you see Gunner and you watch him throw the ball, he's got a cannon for an arm. Um, he's got so much potential um, that I feel like if something happens to Chase, I think Gunner steps right in. I think Gunner may get some spots here and there. But, you know, traditionally in the past, we've had the Brandon Connett, Thomas Sirk type um, second quarterback, and that second quarterback really ran the ball. Um, we brought him in during, you know, when we got – towards the goal line or when it was third or fourth and short. Um, I don't, I don't feel like Gunner uh, or Katrinic fits that mold of that second guy that comes in and is kind of a different type, style quarterback. So I don't want to spend the whole night tonight talking about quarterback, even though we could, I don't want to spend the whole night talking about quarterbacks, but that's what we think. Uh, welcome to Duke university, Chase Bryce. We got your back, man. Number eight. Uh, we're all over it, and we can't wait to see how you can lead uh, this offense. So, uh, Jamie, man, uh, let's talk a little bit about the the running back position. Yeah, and I think at running back, you know, I think we would all agree, you know, our 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 number one guy is is returning, Deion Jackson. He didn't have a great year last year, but overall, we didn't really we didn't have a great year. You know, he uh, averaged three point seven yards per carry, which was down, I mean, way down for him, I mean, honestly. So, but actually in our, we're pretty deep 
like Mateo Durant, I think he's going to be, I'm pretty sure, confident he's going to be RB2. Um, he actually ended up averaging in limited carries, uh, only 97 carries, he averaged about 4.75 yards per carry, which is, which is great. That's fantastic on limited action. And I've heard some talk about Jordan Waters impressing in camp. So, I mean, we're pretty deep at the running back position. Um, Deion Jackson, uh, let's hope he gets back to that 2018 form and just kind of blows us all away with his running ability and his uh, pass catching ability, which we're strong with both running backs on that. Both uh, Deion and Mateo can both catch the ball out of the backfield. So that's they're very versatile running backs. Um, we've never had a 1,000-yard rusher under Cutcliffe, and I don't see that changing this year. I think, I mean, honestly, we're going to split carries. You know, they're going to split carries. Deion's going to split with Mateo. And then you got Chase. Josh mentioned Chase can run at Clemson. I think I, I read in his limited action, he had 14 carries for 94 yards. So that's pretty solid in just a limited time. So you know as much as Cutcliffe likes to run the quarterback, they're definitely going to use that as well. Any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I wonder if, if Chase knows when to pull the football and keep it. Um, that'd be nice if we had a quarterback that, that knew how to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, this is kind of – I mean, it doesn't really matter, but Dion uh, did change his jersey number uh, from 25 to 4. So, when you're looking for Dion Jackson this year, um, we've been looking at 25 for three years, but we'll be looking for number four. Um, this year and then I think the other guy that could be just Jalen Coleman is the other guy that's kind of in that stable as they call it um and 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 possibly but I Jamie 100% agree we're gonna see barring injury we're gonna see a steady diet of Deion Jackson and Mateo Durant um all season long and hey I'm good with that they're both very versatile guys and they were mentioning on the All-22 podcast, they mentioned Jordan Waters, how he's 6'1", 210, and how he kind of just likes to run it up the middle, and maybe he turns into possibly, you know, a, a short uh, short distance back for us. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the running backs. A um, little concerned about the running back position over the next two, two couple, maybe two years. But for this year, I think we're good. Yeah, looking at um, just looking at the stats from last season and seeing how things are, you know, I'm talking about Dion was the leading rusher. The next leading rusher was Quentin Harris. That's not a good thing. Quarterbacks should never be the second leading rusher, especially when we're in a passing offense like Duke was. So looking forward to Dion getting back. Um, hopefully the O-line will block well, open up the holes that we need. And these young guys, definitely. Mateo did a great job last year when he was had the opportunity. Um, I believe towards the end of the season, we got to see Jordan Waters a couple times towards the very end. Um, so I'd like to see maybe just a little bit more of a role for those guys and maybe, you know, just stable. This guy for a couple of series, this guy for a couple of series, where everybody stays fresh. Because that would be – that's what Clemson does. That's what these uh, these big schools do. So it would be great to see if that were to happen with Duke this season. And Josh, taking off on your thought on Jordan, Jordan Waters being a guy that can maybe maybe pound the ball, like we were talking about not having the the Quentin Harris-type quarterback or the 
I'm a cert type quarterback this year, but maybe Jordan Waters is that guy that we bring in in a short yardage situation where we need a yard, you know, and he can maybe pound it and get it. So, I mean, I just I think we're in good shape with the running backs for this year, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. And just, you know, just so you remember, Jordan Waters is, is new to the running back position. He was a defensive player that they moved over to running back. And, and so I think just giving him a little bit of time to kind of get his feet under him. Um, I, I think he can uh, definitely, um, you know, contribute for sure. So, so quarterbacks are down, uh, running backs down, obviously uh, an exciting position, a deep position for Duke football this year. Scott, let's talk a little bit about the wide receiving core. Well, this is definitely, to me, the brightest light we have as a football team. Just looking at all the different guys that we have um, and, you know, the flashes of greatness that they had last season. Um, right now, looking at the starting running, starting wide receivers, um, obviously number one, Jalen Calhoun would be the number one guy on the list. Um, then Eli Pankle which in a couple of the uh, scrimmages and things like that, seen Chase hit him on a couple really long passes where he ran under it, and the defender was a couple yards behind him. So looking forward to stuff like that. Um, been hearing a lot of great things about Daryl Harding, Jr., uh, big guy. You know, hopefully we will learn how to use the big guy at the goal line and throw the ball to him in the air instead of the shortest guy on the field. Um, but then Jake Bobo. He's not had a healthy season yet, but looking forward to having Jake out there because Jake, to me, is one of the toughest players we have. I mean, he's not afraid to go across the middle. He's not afraid. He's looking for the ball, and he's looking to get those extra three yards. He's not cowering when it comes his way when he sees a DB coming at him. He puts his hands out there and catches it and goes on. Um, Then looking forward to seeing uh, Damon Fiala Johnson as a wide receiver this season. Um, last year, we only saw he only had two catches for 31 yards, but towards the end of the season, he started getting our kick returning teams going. Um, and we obviously know he's very fast. And then uh, one of the one of the other names that we've heard a lot about is Dennis Smith, um, as a redshirt sophomore. And I, I last year we heard a lot of good things about him. Didn't get to get on the field much, but the future is great with this core that we have here. And we're all young guys. I mean, the oldest guy in the group in the group is Jake Bobo as a junior. So we didn't. Like I said the numbers weren't the greatest in the world last year from that position. But you know, it was very not having this kind of uh, opportunity with a quarterback who can complete the passes to these guys. Really looks like it's going to be a fun year for all of us. Yeah, and and just one more name to throw in there, and only because. He's seen spot duty in the past is Jarrett Garner. Um, and a lot of times it's just airing it out. Evidently, this kid's got some some wheels on him. Um, but, you know, I've seen a couple of things. Um, you know, obviously, Jake Bobo, um, interesting fact, Jake Bobo only has 20 career receptions. He's going to his junior season. That just doesn't seem right, but it is. Um, but Jake, Jake Bobo, I think it's just going to take kind of that leadership role but I'm telling you uh Jalen Calhoun and Eli Pancole remind me so much of Connor Vernon and Donovan Varner back in the day those two guys coming in together um and man I I that's an exciting crew um 
and they seem like they have fun, man. Uh, Pankol and 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 uh, Calhoun. So, will be interesting to see uh, how that rotation. But honestly, it doesn't really matter who starts at wide out. Uh, that's a constantly revolving door. Um, and I think we've got six to eight guys that really can come in and we're confident that can catch the ball. Yeah, I'm super excited to see that group this year. And hopefully we are hopefully we throw the ball deep more this year, uh, under Cutcliffe's uh, supervision of the off- offense and with Chase, a guy that we know has got the cannon to do it. I mean, with guys like Jalen Calhoun and Eli Pankul and Bobo, I mean, it's just a Harding. I mean, the guys are the guys are there. I mean, the horses are there. There's going to be some good players that ain't that aren't going to get, you know, very much playing time, uh, barring any injuries or anything, which we obviously hope we don't get that. But I think Jalen Calhoun has the potential to be like the the guy. I feel like. I think he showed flashes of it last year. But once again, playing with a QB that was pretty inconsistent, albeit a very likable guy, Quentin. But, you know, it is what it is. You, you, you do what you can do. We'll see what happens. And one of the things that, you know, Jamie and I had talked the other night, um, Duke, when we when Daniel Jones first started at quarterback, Duke would start the this, this game out and send somebody long. And they'd throw about a 40, 50-yard pass, and it would nine out of ten times hit the offensive guy on the fingertips because he couldn't get to it. And then they would never go back to it. I think this crew, you throw it up to one of these guys, they're going to the house. You can forget getting tackled. You can forget being underthrown. They may be standing there waiting for the ball with the defender ten yards behind them. But these guys are going to catch the football, and they're going to run. And that's one of the things about all these speed guys. And I forgot Garner a minute ago. He's a fast guy, too. So definitely looking forward to uh, the opportunity. And like you said, Josh, they're all going to play. You can only play three to four per time, and that's not even counting using the tight end. So these guys are going to rotate in and out, and everybody's going to get a chance. And if we have a guy that can throw the football, we know we got the right guy making the play calls. So that he's going to get the ball to the right people. Yeah, I, I, definitely an exciting crew. And um, speaking of tight ends, um, that's where we're heading next. Um, talk a little big boys, a little O-line um, and um, tight end position. Um, we'll see where we're heading this year. Jamie's going to take that. And uh, and let's talk a little O-line tight end, Jamie. Yeah, and I'm going to start with the O-line here. I mean, we are returning. We are returning four out of the five starters um, on a line that, you know, started the season out really good, and they had only given up like halfway through the season. They were top ten nationally in sacks allowed and tackles for loss allowed. Uh, so they were off to a great start. And then the Virginia game hit, and everything just turned, like right there. I mean, I don't think I don't think we're gonna harbor on that. <laughs> I don't want to bring up any uh, any bad memories, but that was that was the turning point of the season for that line. And we're bringing back four of the five starters. Um, anchored, the line's gonna be anchored by obviously Jack Wallaball at, at center. 
Uh, he's an all-ACC candidate, all-American candidate. I mean, hopefully keep it healthy this year. He missed three games last year with an ankle injury. I think Scott had mentioned earlier that he had surgery. I couldn't remember that. Or, um, and we had a couple of freshmen starting. We had a true freshman starting last year, Jacob Monk at right tackle. And here's where it kind of gets interesting because I, from what I've read and what I've heard, everything with the transfer of Devery Henderson, who's huge, six foot seven, 301 pounds, come from Stanford. I think Devery Henderson is going to, uh, Devery Hamilton, I'm sorry, uh, is going to slide in to uh, Jacob Monk's spot at right tackle, and Jacob Monk's going to slide over to left guard. And it's good to have guys that are very versatile like that. And we got we got um, returners, starters. Sorry, hold on. I lost my place. Casey Holman is our left tackle. Uh, he's returning from last year. I think the other guard, the other guard will be Rack Chambers. He'll be the right guard, also returning from last year, starter. So I think we're pretty set on the line. And some guys that have made some noise in camp uh, is true freshman. I heard some good things about him. Graham Barton, he's made some noise in camp. Um, he's actually been getting some reps. Uh, I believe some first team reps, but mostly second team reps. So I could see him being like a second team offensive guard, which is one of the positions that we're we're probably most thin at. So if we can get any thoughts on that from you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, this is another deep – similar to the wide receiver position. Um, this is – I think there are three areas that are super deep. I think we're deep at wide out, we're deep at O-line, and we're going to be deep at the secondary. Um, but um, I, I definitely feel like everything's going to kind of rise and fall on leadership there. I, I heard him talk about being prepared. You never know who could be out a week or two if they were exposed to COVID or whatnot. And they were talking about how every one of the offensive linemen are like working on snapping the football, every single one of them. He said one time they wanted, there were 15 guys snapping the football. Um, so I think things like that, we just got to keep your eye on it. Um, the good thing about these guys is they seem to be versatile. Um, a, a guy like Jacob Monk um, seems to be able to move from one spot to the other. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of guys really get set on their, on their position and that's all they can do. But it seems like we've got some guys that can move around a little bit if need be. Uh, but like, like you said, that you know, I think I think we run too deep on that O line, uh, pretty solid. I was listening big, to. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. Now, I was just said the biggest thing um, for me is definitely looking at guys that haven't you know have been in the program for a year or two. Uh, Wallen Ball obviously is a great anchor to have. If you have a center that is just that versatile and that that smart and just a great player like he is, that helps everybody else and kind of calms them down. Biggest thing um, for me is just the health. They've got to stay healthy. Um, and that's one of the things that we always have run into over the years. We've got all these young guys, but it, it seems somebody gets hurt or two somebodies get hurt or three somebodies get hurt, and it just becomes a uh, revolving door trying to figure out which guy's healthy and which guy's not. So that's one of the things about the, the whole COVID situation, uh, hoping these guys stay healthy off that from that also. 
because we don't really want to have to play eight linemen per game because this, you know, it just, it would be nice just with the versatility we have, but, you know, definitely want to stay healthy if we can. Yeah, and I was listening to, uh, talking about the depth, I was listening to uh, some talk on Duke football saying, they, you know, they this is the deepest offensive line that Cutcliffe has had since he's been there, um, which is very possible. I mean, they got, I mean, you got Will Taylor at center who started three games last year when while the ball went down. So he's, he's you know, he's got some experience. He's, got, he's there. So, I mean, they got guys that are experienced and young. I mean, it's amazing that we started true freshmen. One was a true freshman. One was a redshirt freshman. Uh, Monk being a true freshman. Uh, and it's nice to add debris into the mix. Uh, lots of experience and just a big, huge mauler. So um, I'll move on to the tight ends next if you guys are ready. Uh, obviously, tight end, our number one guy is Noah Noah Gray. You know, he's he's a guy that's – he was a Walter Camp All-American honors last year. Um, he had 51 uh, catches, which was most among ACC tight ends and second most among the Power Five um, last year. And I feel like I've said this multiple times to you guys before. Noah Gray will be playing on Sundays. He's 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 very very good. Um, and I feel like I hope I hope we use him even more this year in our passing game. I feel like we will. He's a, he's just a huge weapon. Uh, then we got Jake Marwiti. I think is the the second guy. Um, but we're pretty. We're relatively deep at that position too. I mean, we got Birmingham, who's a redshirt senior, you know, um, and then a couple of freshmen that came in that that they might end up redshirting. I, I heard mention Nikki Dalmalin Dom, might end up redshirting, but he's a freshman standout. Uh, and then there's Cole Finney, who's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. I mean, this guy's he's a monster. So. He may or may not register. I mean, if they need him, I mean, but once again, this is with COVID and the NCAA giving them the extra year. This is kind of like, uh, kind of like giving them a throwaway year here. So we'll see what happens with those guys. But I'm relative. I'm matter of fact, I know Noah Gray is the young question, and he's going to get the majority of the snaps. Yeah, for sure, throws. for sure. Noah Noah Gray has earned. Um, all the accolades that he's going to get this year. And, um, and, you know, we basically run that one tight end set. I mean, every now and then we'll go to a two tight end set. But basically we run that three wide out, one tight end, um, one running back type set. But, um, but yeah, I think Noah Gray will continue. And then it will be interesting to see if another guy kind of steps into that role. You know, we've always kind of had a couple. You know, there was uh, Daniel Helm and then D Davis Copenhaver kind of, we're both solid, and Noah Gray really was our only um, tight end last year that made any kind of noise. So maybe this year one of those guys on uh, on the depth chart can step up. If there's going to be a guy, um, it needs to be Marweedy, um, highly recruited guy, and um, he's been here now. This is his fourth year, and it'd be it's time for him to you know kind of show us what he's what he's got and what made the coaches. Um, you know, go after him so strongly from high school. 
Yeah, definitely excited about Noah Gray and the year that he can have or could have. Um, you know, looking at the stats, Marweedy is the only other person, only other tight end that caught a pass. He caught one pass last season. So Gray made all the tight end catches. Now, like you say, we don't go to the two tight set much. If we do go to the two tight set, we usually run the football. But, you know, it's nice to have, you know, if, he go, if we go four or five wide, it's nice to have him set up out there with a linebacker that he can just use and abuse. And with a quarterback who's going to have a little bit of time, it's going to be nice to have you know him be able to catch the football and who knows, who knows what we'll do. But it's nice to have that guy as your you know as an anchor to catch the football right off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I agree with Jamie. I think he's a he's an NFL um, tight end. So moving on now to the other side of the football. So um, honestly, uh, thinking over the last few years, the defensive side of the football has actually been probably the most consistent um, over the years. Um, And we'll start at the the defensive line. And if there is a position on the field that has got just some ridiculous potential, it's the D-line. we got to start the D-line, I think, with senior Victor DiMichaji. I know Rump gets a lot of the talk, but – uh, Big Vic is um, if he – I forget what the numbers are, but he should break the Duke record uh, this year for a number of career sacks. Um, just always in the backfield, always disrupting, um, and and all over the place. So, obviously, one of our defensive ends uh, is Victor DiMichaji, and then the other one is Chris Rumpf. And um, very interesting about Chris Rumpf, they've talked about how he just came in as like a beanpole – he keeps putting on weight every year. He keeps his quickness and his agility. Um, his 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 um, analytics last year were off the charts. Um, I will say, those of us who really took in every snap last year, basically, I think we all understood that you know Rumpf was not a full time defensive end player. Um, he was not on the field. Um, all you know, every snap he was about a fifty percent snap guy. It seemed, um, and so his numbers were really, really good. It's going to be interesting to see that rotation because on that defensive end rotation, you've got Drew Jordan, who's a senior, who is solid and very, very good. Um, and so uh, there, were, there will be a rotation there um, that I think you know it'll be interesting to see. R.J. Oban is, is kind of the other guy. Um, they're at defensive end that could see some time, but I think we're going to see a steady diet of, of Victor, Chris Rumpf, and Drew Jordan um, there, which those are three names that Duke fans know well. And, um, you know, they got some, they got some years into their belt and experience. And then uh, there is a, uh, some question marks here about the interior of the defensive line. Obviously uh, Derek Tangelo is not a question mark. He's the senior. He's been here for, uh, you know, his entire career, and he is just solid as can be. Um, ben Fry um, had got, you know, quite a bit of playing time uh, last year. Um, those are our two for sure guys. And then behind them is some young talent. And um, we obviously had some people that uh, uh, left and, and, and will not be uh, back 
uh, for the interior of that line. So we're looking at Dwayne Carter. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He played a little bit last year. Actually, I thought he played well, but then he, like, disappeared off the face of the earth um, and didn't get many snaps. Uh, but Dwayne Carter um, out, of Ohio, out of Ohio. Um, and, and then Aeneas Peebles is looking like uh, will be the other part of that two deep. Um, and he's a guy from Nightdale. Uh, we we got him uh, in-state recruit. He's a true freshman. Um, but uh, it was neat to get a guy, a local guy, that was heavily recruited uh, to, to commit to Duke. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where he's at. Um, there are a couple of other guys that I was told to keep my eye on for that interior line. One of them is Gary Smith, Jr., uh, Gary Smith III. He's a freshman from Shelbyville, Tennessee. Um, and then Christian Rory um, is a uh, – he's a redshirt freshman from Enloe and Raleigh. Uh, both of those are big, big old boys, uh, over 300 pounds, um, and just some guys that maybe we may see in that rotation uh, just a little bit. But D-line, we're looking to be in the backfield. Obviously, as you know, uh, we like to dial up – we like to dial up the pressure, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how we get to the quarterback this year. Yeah, and I think the D-line's <clears throat> going to be real strong. Uh, Chris Rump, once again, is another guy. I mean, he's going to be playing on Sundays. I mean, I think Big Vic can play on Sundays, too. Uh, I mean, what a time to be alive. How many, you know, how many years had it been that we didn't talk about anybody playing on Sundays for Duke, and now we're talking about multiple guys on the team that we think is gonna, that are going to be on NFL rosters. Um, but, yeah, I think the D-line is going to be a real, real strong point for this team. Definitely looking forward to uh, to seeing uh, Big Vic, obviously, and seeing Chris Rump. Um, Tangelo has been solid. I think he'll do very well. Um, looking to see Ben Fry. Uh, heard his name a lot towards the end of the year. He was in there making a lot of tackles. Uh, didn't get a lot of playing time really early. But uh, definitely looking forward. And then, you know, Drew Jordan saw him some. Looking forward to seeing R.J. Oban. Uh, and Dwayne Carter, and looking forward to seeing Peoples play because I've heard a lot of great things about Peoples. And as a young kid, freshman, it'd be nice to see him get some playing time, get some experience as we go through this season. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's a good it's a good spot for Duke. Uh, we we love us and Ben Albert and. Um, He's done a great job with that line. Uh, moving on then to the uh, linebackers. Uh, actually, uh, in the scheme that Duke runs on defense, um, linebacker is such a um, an important position on the field. And honestly, um, it's going to be an interesting one this year. So, Scott, let's talk a little bit about the linebackers. Well, we started off – we're going to start the season, um, you know, going into it uh, – they have given players an option to opt out if they didn't feel comfortable playing. And Brandon Hill was going to be our starting linebacker. Um, he decided that he wanted to opt out, which I have no problem with any, any of these guys opting out if they don't feel comfortable. That is, you know, you look out for you. That's the best thing you can do. Um, so we're going to be a little young, but I'm definitely excited about the upside of these guys that we do have. Um, Rocky Shelton 
going to be our middle starting middle linebacker. I've heard nothing but good things from about him coming from camp. Um, looking forward to seeing Shaka Hayward again. Hayward, towards the end of the year, got a lot of uh, opportunity to play. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing these two guys start. Um, with all the uh, talent that we have on the D-line and the talent that we have in the secondary, they may be able to cover up the youth of this department that we have. Um, then after those two guys, I'm uh, hearing a lot of things about uh, Syed Stevens. Looking forward to seeing him play. Um, heard a lot about Christian Hood. Uh, heard a lot about Ryan Smith. And then I've heard a couple guys mention and tweeting and things like that about Dorian Musi uh, Masi. And I apologize for messing up your last name. But Dorian is also another young guy. And three of those guys are true freshmen. So it's great to have a true freshman be able to get in there and get an opportunity to get some experience. Um, that's one of the things that we've actually had as our strong suit over the last few years is we've had upperclassmen. We've always had the three- and the four-year guys starting. So this will be the first year for a long time that I can remember where we'll be starting younger guys. But these guys have a lot of talent. So it would be great to see them get out there on the field and uh, play. Yeah, I, I agree that if you were to think back, I mean, we've we've had these situations at linebacker before where guys went down and, you know, Ben Humphreys late in his career, um, you know, was injured uh, with a bum knee. I think he played his final season on a bum knee, basically. Um, but we've had guys get thrown into those roles in the past. And, I mean, you think of Brandon Hill, actually. Um, Brandon Hill kind of got thrown into that spot and then he performed really well. Shaka, the same. I say I will say this: If Shaka Hayward will keep the same numbers um, per game that he had last year and play the whole season, um, he's going to be. I mean, we're going to be talking about him just like we were talking about Joe Giles Harris. Um, so he's definitely got that potential. And so um, I'm I'm not I'm okay with the with the youth there at linebacker. Um, as you said, Scott, I believe the secondary and the and the line um, has they have enough. Uh, leadership for sure to maybe cover a little bit of the learning curve that'll take place. So, yeah, like you said, Josh, I'm looking forward to seeing Shaka kind of take that leap to the next level. Like, if he can be like similar to Joe Giles Harris, man, I mean, he's got all the he's got all the skills, all the talent is there, and all of it. We're super young. All these guys are. I mean, they're very talented and skilled skilled players yeah for sure jamie take us into the uh into the secondary man the uh you know obviously we got a new uh, chris hampton a new uh coach back there um Derek jones we miss you bro but um we've got a new coach back there and um got some exciting some yeah. exciting players in the secondary let's talk through it this is, this is another position that we're just absolutely loaded i mean we're bringing starters back. These guys, I mean, we were – you're bringing Josh Blackwell and Leonard Johnson back who are our starting corners. Uh, and not to mention the big news is, obviously, Mark Gilbert is back and Cut claims he's Cut, – Cut says he's fully healthy. So, I mean, these three guys are likely going to 
dominate the snaps. And if Mark Gilbert is fully healthy, I mean, you're 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 uh you're looking at an all ACC guy. I mean, he's just a, an elite level cornerback. So I mean, those three guys are going to dominate the snaps. But also Tony Tony Davis is getting some uh, getting some talk. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. He played he played in the final two games last year, but they were able to still uh, preserve his red shirt. So he did get a little bit of experience, um, and he's getting a lot of talk. He's got he's got good size. I mean, he's six foot two. So I mean, that's great size, 195 pounds. Um, the safety position, another position, we're returning starters. I mean, we got Marquise Waters, Michael Carter, uh, Lummy Young is back. We got the transfer uh, from Michigan, who's there. Everybody's kind of talking about a little bit. They wonder if he's going to push push for some playing time. Jamaric Woods. Um, these guys, we're just we're just skilled all the way around. A lot of these guys are long. Jamaric Woods is six foot three. He's another rangy, long guy. Um, and I just think that this is another position of strength. Our safeties are. I mean, our safeties are. Right around six foot, six one, long guys, fast guys that cover a lot of field. Uh, I'm just excited to see see what happens. Yeah, I'm um, the versatility. I mean, you have a guy like Michael Carter, who has played both, you know, DB and safety in his career. Um, who he knows the defense inside and out. You got Marquise Waters, who I think is going to be kind of the quarterback, you know, of the of the secondary a little bit. Um, and then, you know, if if, the, if we have um, Woods, Carter, and Waters, if that's the three, uh, with you know uh, any combination of Blackwell, Gilbert, and uh, Leonard Johnson, I mean, that is a solid five in that secondary. Um, and I think it even would allow, um, depending on how Jamaric Woods plays, and I'm not sure his style, but any any of that style that would allow Waters to come up and play around the line of scrimmage some um, is going to benefit him and uh, being able to get to the quarterback a little bit for that safety position. So um, I'm definitely excited about it. I honestly think the guys, um, as much as we love DJ, I think the guys might benefit from this fresh perspective a little bit um, from the coaching staff. And um, and looking forward to seeing us lock some guys up. I actually think that uh, Notre Dame is probably not excited about facing that secondary first game of the season, um, and that's going to be it's going to be interesting. Scott, anything about the uh, about the guys in secondary? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said though about Notre Dame. Um, this defense is. Like I said earlier, this defense is going to be a lot better than it has been in the past. Um, definitely strong. You know, looking – these these guys have been playing. Some of these guys have been uh, special teams – some of our best special teams players during their first couple of seasons. Plus, they had an opportunity to play in big-time games and big-time opportunities. Um, we'll mention one thing, though, about Marquise Waters. He's another guy that changed his number. He went from 10 to zero. So that's definitely something you want to make take note of, especially when you see him make the first tackle on the first kickoff against Notre Dame next weekend. But who's this number zero? There you go. 
But um, definitely looking forward to this. Um, and obviously, seeing Mark Gilbert back is just the story itself. Just all the stuff he's gone through, all the all the hard times, all the pushing to get back. And the guy was an unbelievable player before he got hurt. And I'm looking forward to him having another unbelievable season. Yeah. Going back I, to what, go ahead, Jamie. I'm sorry, bro. I was just going back to what you said about uh, Notre Dame getting those first game of the season. I think our defense is, I mean, a very strong, strong point of this team, and including a, a very experienced secondary and experienced defensive line. Linebackers, obviously, we talk a little inexperienced there, but I think we have a chance to be good. And when you get on the first game of the season, you haven't seen any any tape or anything. Nobody's got anything. So, like, you have a chance. So, maybe go in there and make some noise. I mean, you just never know. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, Mark Gilbert. I, you know, his numbers that sophomore season were absolutely off the charts. And um, it's going to be interesting to see if, if obviously, teams um, – I don't know if they're going to overlook him. Uh, it kind of got towards the end of the year there where they just weren't throwing uh, to whoever Gilbert was, was you know, was, was guarding. Um, I don't know if it'll be like that because, I mean, truthfully, Leonard Johnson, man, Leonard Johnson was so good last year. Um, and, and, you know, and Blackwell, too, in his own right. So, man, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think um, just how good the secondary could be. Um, rounding us out in our position preview here, um, Scott, let's talk a little bit through our uh, punters, kickers, and we've all, we've already mentioned uh, old Philly All Johnson um, as our main you know kick returner or whatnot. But I'll talk through a little bit of our special teams. Um, well, since you mentioned that, yeah, Philly All Johnson will definitely be one of the kick returners. Um, Leonard Johnson last year was uh, basically the number two. On one of the lists I'm looking at, it says that Michael Carter would be one of the return guys. I'm not sure, but I know that uh, Blackwell was one of the guys we used. And then who knows, it may be one of the running backs. We may get to see Jordan Waters return kicks. Um, then on punt returns, Blackwell is our number one. And Bobo would be the backup. And Bobo did a good job. He was not scared to catch the football and didn't make bad decisions when he was back there. So that was one of the blessings that we had. Um, one of the things you know, it's going to be a little different this year. Um, we don't have – we have we have some newer names per se. Uh, our punter is going to be Jackson Hubbard. Um, so, you know, we be interested to see how well he does. And then for kicking, um, for the place kicking and stuff, it's going to be Charlie Ham. And I've heard nothing but good stories about Charlie Ham. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the backup, he'll also kick on kickoffs, but he may also split with uh, Jack Driggers. And Driggers did a lot of the kicking off last year. Well, actually, I think he did most of it, to be honest with you. So looking forward to that. Um, the long snapper is going to be John Taylor. Um, it was Ben Wyatt. But Wyatt is another one of the uh, players who decided to opt out. Again, no issues with that. And uh, so, interesting to see how Taylor does. And then Jackson Hover is going to be the holder for when we do kick. So, you know, looking forward to, to seeing these new guys play. Um, one of the other things, uh, Miles Hudzik 
was one of our best special teams players. He's also another one of the guys that opted out. And he was definitely in the first three years he's been here, he was in a lot of tackles and things on special teams. So that's just another person. That if you're looking for him, he's one of the guys that was also that opted out. And just on that note, one other guy opted out, Jacob Rimmer, the offensive lineman. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there were five or six total um, guys that did that. I, I have also heard that um, if need be, Charlie Ham is also a heck of a punter. Um, and so I've, I've actually heard if, you know, there's a possibility he could, you know, literally take all the kicking duties. Um, if that be the case, they'd probably have Driggers handle the kickoffs. Um, but, you know, it will be – y'all know the A.J. Reed redemption story last year was one of the highlights of the season. Um, and and so it, it's nice to have Duke football back consistently kicking field goals because back when we were the most successful that we've ever been, we had we had Ross Martin. Uh, we had guys like that that could just – they could just give us three points when we needed three points. And what we've seen when we don't have consistent kicking is cut gets a little more uh, go for it happy. And that doesn't always work out, you know, in our favor. So um, this having a solid um, kicker that was highly recruited, like, like ham, um, hopefully will be, you know, hopefully he'll be a guy that 45 yards and in he's solid. And then, you know, that 45 to 55 range, um, you know, he could um, you know, maybe uh, get, get us some points there. If Brian were here tonight and Brian's not with us, he'll be back next week. If Brian were with us tonight, um, he would talk about how we're still not in field goal range for at the five-yard line. So, uh, anyway, um, we'll, we'll have him back uh, next week. Jamie, any follow-up on the special teams? Yeah, I mean, just saying, I mean, it's important to have a – Kicker, I mean, like when you talked about Ross Martin, it's important to have that, and hopefully Charlie can be that guy that can get us three points when we miss on a third and seven from the twenty yard line, and we not and we're not tempted to go go for it. We just kick it and take the three. Because I mean, you know, all that all that stuff is greatly important, and hopefully Charlie Ham is the guy, and he was highly recruited and highly thought of. So I have reason to believe that he. It will do just fine. Yeah, it'll be it would be interesting at the end of the season, you know, of like past seasons to go back and look at every time we went for it on fourth down, right? Did we end up getting a touchdown? What if what if we'd have just been able to kick a 45 yard field goal and in and we'd have got that three every time? You know, where would we be? How would the games change? Um, but anyway, man, this has been really good. I was thinking as you guys were talking. Uh, Duke football has a legit two deep in every position. And I think even, you know, if we think back to our – probably our best team, which was 2013, um, our starters were, were rock solid. But I'll be honest, I don't know if we could have had this conversation um, about a two deep in 2013. And so um, I, I believe this team has got um, potential. Um, I believe that – you know, our, our, our linemen do not have to run themselves ragged uh, all game long, and they're tired by the fourth quarter. I think we can rotate um, quite a bit in all of our positions. Um, and, you know, wide receivers, they should be fresh in the fourth quarter. Running back should be fresh in the fourth quarter. And uh, it's just been a, it's a good thing to think about 
that Duke football has a legitimate, you know, uh, too deep and sometimes more than that as we were talking tonight. But next week we are going to uh, preview the season a little bit more as far as some of the early games that we're going to be playing. Uh, and then we are going to uh, talk a little more specifically about Notre Dame. And um, we'll prob- we won't bring up last year's Notre Dame game as much as we'll probably bring up 2016 uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, but we'll talk Notre Dame in depth a little bit more. And then we'll also give some season predictions. Uh, we're going to give you our win-loss predictions. And then we may talk a little bit about individual things like, you know, uh, most uh, touchdown receptions or all those different things, just kind of who we think, um, you know, is going to lead the way. Um, have a little bit of fun next week. And then we plan on um, each week <clears throat> we will uh, record either on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we will go over the game that happened the previous weekend, look forward to the game coming up the following weekend. Um, so we'll, these will be hitting, um, you know, once a week uh, during the season. So let's just continue to pray for a season to happen, that everything continues to work out. We're going to miss being in the stands in Section 17, uh, but we've already pushed our money to next year, and we'll be ready to go at that point. Um, but we want to thank you uh, for hopping on and listening to the Section 17 podcast, Duke Football Talk. You can find us on Twitter at DukeFBTalk, and then you can search on Facebook for Duke Football Talk. We stay very active on both of those, and we really enjoy the community that we're, that we're creating and building around Duke football. So until next week, I'm Josh Cox. Tonight we've been with Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt. We miss Brian Kennedy. He'll be back next week. We will see you next week on the next episode of the Section 17 podcast.